talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me Hello, and welcome back to another episode of More Like the Worst Wing, our show where here in 2021 we take a look back at formerly Aaron Sorkin's seminal work, uh, now in the hands of other people, uh, The West Wing. Here we are in uh, Season 5, taking a look at Episode 2, entitled Dogs of War. I am Dave. And I am Stu. And this episode opens with a cliché that all of you have probably seen half a dozen times before, of two cars meet in a dark, abandoned garage in the de- in the dead of night. Uh, perhaps a manila envelope is to be exchanged, <laughs> uh, or otherwise secrets of some kind, usually government-related. Uh, but it just turns out to be Leo meeting a pollster. Uh, <laughs> so fucking stupid. That's the stupidest shit. And the show hasn't, like... Had to sink to this kind of like cheap dramatic device for this for this sort of thing before. Like we've had Josh and uh, meet Joey Lucas secretly, and they did it that one time in the airport. And yeah. I thought that was kind of a clever and more realistic version of that kind of exchange. If you did want to meet sort of covertly with someone, that's probably the best way to do it. Not and this like <laughs> fucking deep throat shit going on here. Yeah, it's this weird holdover of I, I think it's a very boomer idea of how spycraft and like subtle <laughs> subtlety in general or subterfuge yeah, in general work. is. Yeah, because they honestly in I mean honestly now times in real life it would just fucking, be an email. <laughs> anytime after the nineties, like you can the your best uh, your best concealment is anonymity. So right. that's why the airport is like, yeah, this is perfect. I just right. walk in here. Nobody can With see a, me. Around a tons of a tons of normal people. We're in a public airport. You know, we're not in like some weird, you know, people with only security clearance can get here <laughs> place in, in the fucking White House. And so all of this just to meet with some polling person who is polling about Bartlett's approval numbers and whether he gave up uh, and basically uh, is like. She's like, well, at first everyone loved it, but like, if you let this drag on for like too long, people are gonna be like, wow, Bartlett's a fucking coward, yo. It's, uh, it's very classic West Wing, where it's like, well, you're doing good, but but the if polling, you're not, if you're not careful, you might do bad, and right. it's just they just leave it out there, and uh, pretty much, and then uh, and then it ends on this like incredibly dramatic and like and stupid note of like. But hey, Leo, like dramatic push in. If Zoe dies, his approval numbers skyrocket. <laughs> duh, duh. And that's our intro into the credit song. And it's oh like, my oh, God. oh, fuck off. <laughs> I, I just, I couldn't believe it. And it's, it's. This just, is what I mean with like, it feels like it's a different show already. <laughs> yeah. Like the, this, this whole scene is already feels like it's out of a different show. Like Scandal. This feels like something Scandal would do. Yes, I haven't you watched much Scandal. The, you should have the shutter clicks going over that, that zoom yeah. out thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah, god. This feels like a House of Cards or a Scandal or something that is more focused on the melodrama around politics instead of what is West Wing in theory supposed to be about more the serious sausage making of politics. Sure. Or at least that, that's what the show was sold as. Well, and we initially, when we said, when we noticed this plot arc taking off, it's 24-ification of it. And they yeah. they pull out this very classic, and as I said, it's it's familiar to a certain age group of, oh, I know what's going 
to be done here. You know, right. we're going to engage X, Y, Z stereotype to communicate X thing. And then they cap it off with this very like, <laughs> oh, if, well, if she dies, it'll be good for the president. Yeah. Like, uh, like fuck <laughs> off. So stupid. So getting into our episode proper, we still have President Glenn Walken presiding over the White House and there's still inherent tension there. And the episode is kind of, for the first half, still racking with this idea of like, is Glenn Walken going to become permanent president now? Like, Mm. because he's doing so good and it looks like the Democrats have effectively given up in this moment of American crisis or whatever. But all of that tension gets completely diffused around the midpoint of the episode when uh, Zhlanko, playing Walken's chief of state... Jelko, sure. I love the name. I just can't get it right. But I, I love this guy too. He's so like easily sinister. Oh, Although yeah. it, in this speech, he has to be sort of like friendly and reaffirming, and it feels weird for him. It does. It's completely out of character. Like I, which is well, and it's appropriate because what he's doing is extremely out of character. Well, and so continue along your line of thought. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, it's fine. So midway through this whole tension about uh oh, walk in permanent president, Democrats weak. Well, you know, it all gets evaporated when he, uh, he goes to job in like the bathroom i don't know why it's in the bathroom (laughs) for some reason again feels like a different show uh but goes to josh and is like look if any republicans try to spin this or fundraise off this or imply that bartlett is a is a weak man for doing the most patriotic thing possible well then i don't want to know that kind of republican in my party (laughs) and it's like what a load of bullshit yeah, the concept of, and we return to this again and again, of not wielding power when you have it is mm-hmm. just so deeply ingrained in the kind of the fundamental perspective of, I mean, honestly, at first it was it was in Sorkin, but now it's it's bled through to everything. It's, it's the presumption that's, that's canon now. It's yeah. just like, okay, cool. Yeah. And this, again, this just goes back to the idea of the liberal fantasy of a Republican who won't stoop to a certain level, which is just a pure fantasy. Yeah, and I mean, completely ridiculous. And I just, so to to dial it back a little bit, we get a bunch of guest stars come through. Amy Gardner Mm -hmm. has one scene with Josh where she's trying to talk him off a ledge about being worried and freaking out about this situation which again gets narratively all the tension just diffused by that one speech yeah and so we see her once and then she's gone um Mm -hmm. we see uh, abby is back because we need her to kind of interact with jed and and talk about family stuff in in the context at the end of the episode when they when they reunite with zoe yeah and so the other, like, the entire rest of it is just sort of, it's very, it plods. There's yeah, a lot there's of long, a lot of saber out, rattling. There's one, well, there's a lot of long, drawn out conversations, which is, again, we're starting to note a departure from the tone of the show because in, I don't know, it'd call it in season three, whatever, these issues would be bam, bam, bam. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd be, they'd be snapped up and taken mm-hmm. care of and whizzed off in like a walk and talk. But instead, we've got sort of, you've got Toby and um, Will just like, about this speech. Right. And again, 
like the speeches were interesting as a as a product of a process. Yeah, or as a metaphor for something else, which I felt I felt Sorkin was better at doing that of of selling the idea of like, oh, this speech means X in this context and it's not just about the speech itself. Whereas now it just feels like they're just focused on the mechanics of the speech itself. Yeah, and I don't care about the, like, I don't want to watch you hand a piece of paper back and forth and get out your little step pen and, like, go, oh, well, this is, you know. Yeah, like, watching the process of writing is very boring, which is why (laughs) normally we just have the montage of Toby, like, throwing papers in wastebaskets and stuff. Like, that's how you do it, you know, visually, cinematically. Yeah, you you don't send Will into Toby's office to talk about it. Yeah, you don't actually fucking show us a writing meeting in progress because they're boring. Uh, Yeah. It's very bad. Um, uh, before we get into anything else, I just want to mention this episode introduces a new character named Ryan Pierce, uh, who is uh, a intern uh, from Harvard, and he's you know he's he's some nepotism hire. He's you know he's someone's nephew or or whatnot, and he's the prototypical idea of the nepotism hire. Where he just kind of like breezes through life and, you know, went to Harvard and, you know, basically failed upwards and was like a fratty finals club bro and whatever. And Josh is just like so resentful of this little shit who basically (laughs) had the Chad experience in college as opposed to Josh Lyman's virgin experience. Yeah, it's like. And uh, so oh, first to to note, it's that um, he is. The actor's name is Jesse Bradford. It's the guy who's not Freddie Prinze Jr. Yeah, he shows up in stuff. Yeah, um, he was in Romeo plus Juliet. Um, oh. Like in sort of a... He was Balthazar, one of the one of the cousins in Romeo plus Juliet. Um, he's around, but he look. And again, I always get confused because he kind of looks like Freddie Prinze Jr. Totally. And in totally. the early 2000s was like Freddie Prinze Jr. time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's he's at peak. Yeah. He's at his peak time for his particular look. Yeah. So it's just and it's fine. He doesn't do anything in the no, show. He doesn't do anything. He, no, he will become a semi recurring bit character until he's basically written off by failing upwards into something <laughs> even better. And like, I kind of love it because he's the only realistic character on the West Wing. As in, this is the kind of shit, one type of shithead you would find in DC. And not all these, like, the fictional character, you know, oh, they're all the best at what they do and they work 178 hours a week and, and whatnot. No, it's like, no, it's actually more filled with shitheads like this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, um, there's a trivia bit that the show fucks up here. They <laughs> CJ walks into Josh's office and is like, oh, you're that, you're that Pierce. And he goes guilty. And she says the bedroom pierce the pierce bedroom pierce he's like yep great grandfather president pierce did not have any children that survived to childbearing age and therefore he cannot have grandchildren oh snap called out that's right sorkin would have gotten that right bitch (laughs) i I guess (laughs) let's uh let's take a quick break and we'll come back and discuss uh the zoe subplot
and welcome back. So, Zoe's kidnapping, still in progress at this point, uh, but finally gets resolved in this episode. First off, before we actually get to that, we get a... <laughs> we get a second ransom message uh, uh, yeah. about Zoe, this time with video or with a picture. Uh, it was unclear, but my favorite line ever is that Agent Mike Casper, when someone is asking why the quality of said picture slash video is not up to snuff, uh, Agent Mike Casper goes, it was emailed, probably over a modem. <laughs> <laughs> Date your show immediately. Pro- probably. <laughs> Most. We're, we're, we're not sure. We're, we're, we're still in the process of determining of if it was emailed via modem or not. The, the, the Kumaris may have some other sort of internet accessing technology. Right. We don't know. We don't. God only knows of the capabilities. What's a modem? We just don't know. <laughs> we just... We just it was sent over the TCPIP <laughs> protocol. <laughs> Oh my god, I don't know why, but that just struck me as so funny. So yeah, uh, we get a lot of stuff in the sit room regarding this, and so Glenn Walken orders some sort of bombing of the Madras slash terrorist training camps in Kumar, and in the process of launching said offensive, one American helicopter is hit by an RPG, and uh, six American troops get killed, uh, and it just, it seems like it's escalating more and more and more. And then all, again, in, in all the tension just being sucked out by well, so a thing happening. <laughs> First of all, they bring in the Kumari ambassador to inform, oh, right, right. To inform Thank him you. that they are violating an ally's sovereign airspace. And he's like, cool. He's like, are you, are you yeah, he can't really say anything about it because, like, what's he gonna say? It's like, are you? And the guy does a pretty good job of acting because he comes in and he says, you know, um, we'd like to express in strongest terms our objection to you murdering the the Sultan Khan. I can't remember right. the, the title. Right. Yeah, they gave him. Uh, yeah. Sharif. The Sharif. Yeah, yeah, like to murdering yeah. his cousin because that sucks. <laughs> but also, we'd like to su- like express supportive and sympathy for your daughter's current predicament. Right. Very diplomatic. And then Leo's all shitty toward him. Yeah. Like, well, so, you know, someone from your country doesn't like her that much. Fucking, and we, we don't even know for sure. Right. And then, of course, it ends up being not that, ultimately. Well, so they, they inform this guy that they're bombing. He's like, thank you for informing me in a timely fashion. <laughs> right. Like, what else can he say yeah. right here, right now, in the halls of power kind Just, of thing? Uh, that, so stupid. Yeah, it's really dumb. But uh so then so we're building up to World War 3 and I'll I'll take it back if this gets dealt with more next episode, but as soon as Zoe gets rescued uh and found all this tension of like, oh, six Americans died, oh, we're launching an offensive and whatever, the narrative tension at least for this episode just gets get completely washed away. Yep. By by Zoe getting found. Yep. I mean, and the the, the it, we get we get another cliche moment where the the first woman to hear about the news that Zoe has found gets this weird push in of like I think I have something, <laughs> like like it's just, it's just so many of these small cliche moments that didn't used to pop up in this show. Yeah, and they it's just that they're also timed bizarrely and paced within the script, kind of weirdly. It seems like the cinematographer wasn't talking with like right. the screenwriter or the director. Yeah. 
To be fair, I give them a little bit of slack here in that they were all kind of chaotically thrown into this nightmare that where they were expecting Sorkin to keep running yeah. the show. So actually, let's let's talk about this because I think this is this informs most of how the show's going to go, at least in these two episodes specifically, in mm-hmm. these couple of episodes. It's a bereft cast, or not cast, a bereft crew, really, being like, mm-hmm. ah, God, we have to like unwind this mess that we've right. been left we with. We have to... Right, we have to get back to the status quo, and I don't recognize half of the people yeah. here anymore <laughs> behind the scenes. Like, so I, I, I give them the littlest bit of slack, but it still doesn't ex- excuse shit like the garage deep throat sh- scene. Yeah, no shit. And <laughs> like, someone wrote that down. Someone else filmed it. Other people watched it being filmed, and they all nod their heads and went, "Yep, this is good. This'll, this is good. This will sell." <laughs> This is good. Good television we've just created here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, I mean, I guess it's sort of that unwinding this thing that Sorkin dumped in their laps when he left. Um, Sure. It's... In Sorkin's word, he gave them many opportunities uh, <laughs> to, to, go, to take the plot in several directions. I think he was just kind of salting the earth as he's left. I'm, that's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. So in in that regard, I my sympathies with them. You do have to get the show back to status quo. It can't be the John Goodman president show. That's not what you're set up for. You know, Martin Sheen has the contract, not John Goodman. Yes, agreed. Um, and so, and thank God, I think... It was fortuitous that they brought in the guest cast and the stars that they did because they continue to, as I kind of we, we mentioned in the last episode, yes. like they continue to do their best to salvage it and carry that totally. weight. Totally. Yeah, they get bailed out by a lot of good powerhouse acting here. Yeah. Um, any Anyone besides John Goodman. I mean, I'm sure there's other guys who could have done it well, too. But like John Goodman really does salvage that role of Glenn Walken, who, if portrayed badly or with not enough gravitas or charisma, could easily come across as like a cartoon villain. Yes, absolutely. And it I mean, honestly, it even veers into that at the end. He almost gets there. Yeah, almost. Because and like, I'm sure if we had more time with him, they probably would have taken him there. Yeah, and I'd, but, I mean, I think it, it, it mercifully it works in this context. It's just I like the scene he shares with uh, Lily Tomlin. Yes, absolutely. Uh, they, they have a brief conversation that does a lot to humanize him, and I think it was smart to specifically bring in Mrs. Fitterer to do that because she's our most like humanizing figure. Well, and sort of, and is capable of carrying that scene. She had like forty five right. seconds on screen in this right. episode and, and, and nailed it. It was it was absolutely crucial that they get it right. It's it's the best forty five seconds of the episode. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, so anyway, to revert back to talking about kind of like yes. farting out the Zoe, <laughs> the right. Zoe conclusion. So, just quick note here. So they they find Zoe. It's very unclear as to the details. Like Agent Casper says this story in the helicopter of we were investigating a domestic disturbance. They were both drunk. He led her out of the car on the side of the road, and this drunk woman found the barn where, like, Zoe was. Yes. and I think. She, and called it in. She was trying to the find place. a place to get out of the rain because her husband just kicked her out of the car. Right, because the they're drunk and arguing. Called the cops first to be like, my husband... Like drunkenly drunk kicked me out of the car. Of the yeah. car. <laughs> well, first off, but then second off, I also found this weird kidnap rape barn uh, out in the middle of nowhere. Maybe y'all should take a look. Yeah, and it's it's completely unclear the circumstances of what then of either what then happened to that woman or how they get from from phone call to it's a place where Zoe is. 
to the raid has already happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We already have Zoe and all three of the kidnappers holding her are dead. And we have zero information about them besides the fact that they're dead. Yeah. Like, we don't get to find out, were they Kumari? Were they terrorists? Were were they white? Like, anything. <laughs> anything at all. Were they Americans? We find out nothing in this episode. Yeah, and it's, it's very jar, and especially because what I think what really mitigates against it is, as you mentioned, you have Agent Casper doing the telling, not showing in the helicopter, but they don't even let him finish. He like gets, he wanders off and gets lost in the rotor noise, and then they're on the ground, and it's the tearful emotional right, reunion. And, then, and right, uh, Bob, which you know, of course, all of our mains sell very well, and it's it's such an easy scene to do. I do want to note that like they went all out on like cop cars and extras for this <laughs> scene because old, holy shit, there's yeah. just a field full of cop cars and extras just milling about yeah and they had to get the helicopter out there to shoot it because you know there's three drones so yeah you need yeah you got at least two helicopters i feel (laughs) like one to get shots and then one to be in the shot while another helicopter shot is taking place Yeah, that's a big budget operation they they blew their fucking budget so if we get a few bottle episodes coming up we'll know why (laughs) (laughs) this must must be on location in the fake west wing only yeah and like maybe three mains can show up everyone else got to take off yeah. can't pay a scale on this one so the the union's gonna shut us down yeah we're gonna have a lot of non-speaking extras show up in this episode yeah and so it's it's very i don't know it feels again it's more manipulative because we aren't we don't get to construct an involvement that is more than oh well there was a phone call and we found her boop right and then the second Zoe is found, and we get after the reunion scene, and we establish everything's fine, she's fine, she wasn't even sexually assaulted, everything's fine! <laughs> like, everything ended up way better than expected, and it's almost like a fairy tale ending, where just after that we cut back to Bartlett becoming president again, uh, and then yeah. Bartlett giving killer speech that the world will presumably love. Yeah, and... It's like it's like a fairy tale fucking ending. And then the, the walking thing between the the bathroom conversation with josh and jelko who I, I still don't remember what his fucking character charlie his character name uh, is he can be jelko yeah, forever okay, yeah. so I, that's I, that's fine with that and between that and the like the, the walk-in kind of walking away and saying you're welcome mr president um, right. thing at the end it's just there's absolutely no Every, everything's fine there's everything's no fine. other <laughs> development and all of the hemming and hawing about but what if they become you know, it's a it's a Republican administration now. What if they blow up all our hard work? Right. And so, spoilers. I, I decided to look this up for season six and seven when Vinick ends up becoming the GOP nominee. I'm like, surely Walken would have been a a, a fucking like shoo-in. a shoo-in. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> like he's actually been president. You know, and Vinick isn't like meant to be a celebrity type. Like you know, like a Trump. He's meant to be a McCain type. So, but like, apparently, uh, Glenn Walken does well in Iowa, but then fizzles out some way through the GOP primary, mm. which sure. I mean, okay. Sure. But in re- in the reality of the fiction of this show, he would be a fucking shoe in for the nominee. Yeah, for sure. And I think it could have, and again, we talk about opportunities quote that we were left with this thing. It just seems like a huge waste. If you could. Now, now I understand the economics of it and saying, wow, John Goodman is literally like an S tier, like Hollywood Sure, it's huge and expensive and you can't just like have him on retainer because he's off making movies and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's such a waste to just be 
like, wow, we're going to do this, invest you in this, and, and kind of build up a, a foil to the current administration. And Well, what's funny is they do end up bringing him back in that one where they go to the funeral of uh, of Lassiter. They bring Walken back and Goodman back just for one episode cameo. Oh, yeah. So clearly they had the capability of giving him back. And if you have that, then yeah, why not? Like, why isn't he running in season six against Santos or something like that? That would have been great. A whole campaign Goodman. I know that this wasn't how it was done back then. And we're very, we're spoiled by entire seasons of television being released simultaneously. Now, if you had had a little bit of foresight, you could probably say, Hey John, can we get you for a week at this time? We're going to shoot four episodes worth of material out of you and make it good. But I don't know. I guess they just didn't, they weren't thinking they weren't that, thinking it, that way. T- television wasn't made like that yeah. back then. Uh, is the, really the long and short of it. Uh, it was very much just focused on week to week, and like you know, even just the idea of doing season long arc plots was still experimental sure. or new. So, and it was only being done by like a handful of shows at the time, like this, Sopranos, and like Deep Space Nine. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and and <laughs> at this point, The Wire, because The Wire fired yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, and The Wire. Thank you. Two thousand. So, but like, uh, yeah, whatever. it's like you could literally count count them on one yeah. hand, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of blown potential, this takes me back to the conversation we had before the episode, where so the whole focus on Glenn Walken's character ends up being such a narrative waste, as we've discussed, because the threat of it is, uh oh, what about per- if permanent Glenn Walken? You know that that's the thing they keep worrying about, as opposed to there's the potential here to explore an interesting storyline, which is not. Is the is there going to be a permanent Glenn Walken presidency? Because of course not. That's not a real threat. We know Martin Sheen has a contract. We know the show The West Wing is going to be about President Bartlett. That's not the actual threat. The threat should be what can Glenn Walken do in these forty-eight to seventy-two hours mm-hmm. that we can't undo after he's gone. Yeah. Like it, you know, if he makes moves, if he rings certain bells, if he commits us to certain aggressive military actions that we can't really take back. That could have been an interesting narrative direction to explore, and we get like 5% of that, but we don't really explore that threat because they're just so worried about what if forever President Walken. Yeah, and again, you vest so much in it, only to take it away tidily. It it just triggers, there's a little bit of just, well, then I'm, I'm exhausted at the end of this episode. Yeah. Why do so I care? What was, the po- what was the point other than to get us all back to status yeah. well, quo? And when you, and f- I get that you have to get there, that that's the goal, but there's ways to get there to leave you with stuff for the future and not just to just write it all out. Yeah. And I, I think I, I like when you just said that, that that's a perfect way to describe it because to me, if I'm them, and I'm like, oh, man, um, I guess we got renewed and now, um, you know, the principles are gone. Uh, you know, what are we going to do? I like the concept and it is interesting, I guess, in hindsight to kind of place myself in their shoes in that situation. And fuck it. I'd be fucking panicking and making bad television, mm-hmm. too. But mm-hmm. it's just sure. the, the, the need to get back to status quo makes it's a perfect descriptor of why these things are wrapped up the way they are it is a yeah. it's a in an unsatisfying manner it's a panicky reaction to um uh, let, okay right. now we're good blank slate start over right 
Back to status quo. Now we can just film a normal episode. Yeah. Yay, <laughs> yeah. everyone. Normal episodes. We know how to do those. Yeah. Right? Walk, walk and talk, right? <laughs> Spoilers. They don't know how to do <laughs> normal episodes either. Toby's nebbish. CJ's a powerful woman. Jed's right. Kathler, whatever the fuck. It's just like, okay, now yeah, we can I, reset. I, I watched some YouTube highlights of this. I'm ready to write the show. <laughs> that's that's that is what these later seasons sort of have a feel of going on yeah it's it's poochie the rock and dog man uh poochie yeah. work for you yeah whatever <laughs> he's more he's proactive in your face <laughs> yeah. um let's take another quick break and then we will come back and wrap up Welcome back. Uh, just kind of the last little wrap up here. I think there are quite a few uh, elements in this episode that end up the primary challenge in my mind as a viewer of this show and knowing the type of person who was the viewer of this show mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in its era, the Ryan Pierce, Franklin Pierce trivia fuck up sort of and the Kumar is a country in this reality, but we can't really say much about about it because we're going to get checked on it by our fans thing i think it's interesting that after four full seasons of this where this show is now a a cultural phenomenon definitely you another challenge that faces the people who are creating it is the need to walk this very thin tightrope between being accurate enough for turbo fans but also (laughs) and em and i were talking about this vague enough to not get in trouble (laughs) exactly fake enough to yeah. not to not like get to not, of, libel to not suits. offend a real country or a real <laughs> yeah. people or a real person and Emma made a very good point because she was just like you couldn't say that it is and honestly I don't fucking know anything about the White House and she didn't provide me a counterexample but you couldn't say that it's a descendant of an actual president who has a bedroom named after him because if you go in hard on him being a doofy Harvard fuck up mm-hmm. then that the estate could, is going to get mad <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The, the estate's going to get bad, exactly. And yeah. you could face real legal troubles. Yeah, they're going to, like, are you fucking defaming the legacy of our, you yeah, know, like estate? If, if you had a Roosevelt, yeah. they would they would 100% get litigious about that. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good point. Yeah, so, and so, and the same thing with countries. Like, if you, basically, obviously, right. all these shows kind of make up a fake, you know, it's Middle like, Eastern. It, you know, back in season one or two or whatever, we had CJ calling out actual Saudi Arabia, and then, yeah. like, they, that yeah. just stopped after a certain point. They're like, no, no, we have to make up fake countries. <laughs> yeah, it's um uh, for the military heads in the audience. It's like Atropia. We're always at war with Atropia because that's the aggressor in all these war games that the army Is it okay? Do, do Americans want to nuke Agrabah? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know. It's Agrabah. It's the capital of Kumar. <laughs> Fucking Sultan lorded over me with his magic carpet. Nuke that motherfucker. <laughs> We shot, we shot down the state department or the state minister's magic carpet over the <laughs> shot, shot. 
we we cut it up into pieces and buried it at the bottom of the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> no, we, we threw it back in the cave of wonders. Oh no! Oh, uh, we're not going to top that. All right. Well, okay. on that note, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, this has been fun. We'll be back next week to discuss the next episode where now Bartlett is back and we can get back to the uh, normal business of the show, but with completely different showrunners. And <laughs> we'll be ex- excited to explore how that dynamic continues to play out in season five. Uh, again, thank you for listening. We appreciate your comment in either one of our threads, either on Something Awful or Bread and Roses. If you found the show another way, hello, welcome. And you can email your comments or feedback or questions to the worst wing 69 at gmail mail.com nice also um which is always nice yeah sorry i I fucked up our bit Um, (laughs) it's okay i i put up a and i'll put it in the the show notes i've um collected the transition songs that i've been using because i realized that my word document was running like four pages full of transition songs so i made a playlist on spotify that i saw that and i enjoyed it i I listened through a good chunk of it um the day when you posted it i was like ah these are some good good songs in here it's it's very much (laughs) like obviously it reflects my cultural like context and stuff so i just i I really like making compilation things soundtracks give me and you know if if you didn't notice on the season four finale thing, like selecting pieces of cult of music to include <laughs> in television shows is something that really gives me kind of, it's fun to analyze for sure. So, yeah. I'll link that in the show notes. Excellent. All right, everyone. Well, again, thanks for listening and we will see you next time on another episode of the worst wing. Bye-bye. Send Stay safe. The money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along. So love me, love me, love me, I'm a liberal, 